consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast, and I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Baharat Konadia. Uh, he is the founder and chief appraiser of Veristrat. He has valued over 2,000 businesses and signed off on assets worth $2.6 trillion in value. Uh, Baharat, it's great having you here today. Um, I guess we can start off with um, introducing yourself and what your company does. Um, thanks for having me, guys. By the way, the pronunciation of my name was Canadia. right on. Okay, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm a, uh, in, in simple terms, I'm an appraiser. Now, most people, when they hear the term appraiser, they might think of uh, getting their house appraised or getting some jewelry appraised. Um, and I do neither of those things. Just the way you sometimes need to get your house appraised, you right. need to get jewelry mm -hmm. appraised, you also need to get other things appraised like your business or your startup, or your intellectual property, or you might have a trademark, or a patent, or your shares, or your commercial real estate. So um, I do all kinds of appraisals or valuations, um, and most of my work is around uh, startups and venture-backed companies. Okay. What are some of these companies, if you don't mind? I mean, some of the companies that I have valued are like Roku, Uber, Airbnb, Twitter, um, and some of the smaller companies too. So, you know, I start out with these companies when they're these little seedlings. And as they grow over time, uh, my work with them and involvement with them also, also grows. Okay. So how did you get into this? Um, by accident. Um, you know, best things in life happen to you when you least expect them. So, uh, you know, my first job out of college was in valuation or an appraisal and, uh, turned out that, um, I was half good at it and, uh, I stuck with it. So, um, you know, so far I'm one of the few appraisers in the country who has valued all kinds of assets. Um, including some of the weird or unique assets that you can think of um, for so you're in SoCal in SoCal I have um, appraised the city of Compton I have appraised the city of Beverly Hills um, in California alone I have appraised the county of Monterey uh, the Golden Gate Bridge the county of Napa um, if you go out east uh, the Brooklyn Bridge the George Washington Bridge uh, the Grand Central Station. Um, if you go north, uh, the Alaskan Pipeline. Um, or if you talk about companies, I've appraised companies like Yahoo or Verizon or Uber or Airbnb. Um, list goes on. So I know why houses get appraised, but what's the why do the, some of these businesses get appraised? What is the value? Great question. So. Um, most people think of appraisal is when you need to buy something or sell something, right? But that is just only one reason. Um, you could need an appraisal for tax purposes. You know, Uncle Sam always wants his cut. So how much of how much is his cut? Right? It's a 30% or 40% or 15% of something, but what is that something? 
So I tell people, what is that something? Um, or it could be for accounting. If somebody invested, say, $100 in a company, uh, they need to show on their books what that $100 is worth over time. Um, so there's that appraisal. Um, or if somebody needs insurance, um, they need to know how much to insure something for. So they need an appraisal there too. Um, so, you know, or if somebody's suing somebody um, and they can't come up with, hey, what should I be suing for or how much, uh, they need an appraisal. Um, you know, so for buying something or selling something is only um, one fifth of the story, if you will. Um, there are many other reasons why people need appraisals. And do you only appraise or do you um, help these companies uh, figure out how to maximize value as well? Uh, great question. So a appraisal, it's almost like a report card, right? Mm -hmm. If when you go to school, right, your teacher tells you that, hey, you got an A minus in math or a B plus in history or a C minus in physical ed, um, you know, or, you know, or, or an A plus in music, right? And, and your grades tell you where you are, right? That's just observing this is the situation where you are at. That doesn't mean that's how you're going to be in the future. Unfortunately, right, when you're young and you're a student, you think that, hey, if you got a C minus in something, well, that's also your future. No, that's just where you are today. Um, so an appraisal is your valuation or your grade, if you will, today. Now, you can take that and we can talk about that, okay, so say if you have a B minus in math and you want to get to an A minus, these are the steps you need to do to go from a B minus to an A minus. Um, and I help you with that as well. What's the most, that was like the weirdest uh, comp, you know, business you've evaluated? <laughs> I, I, I have appraised some weird things. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, some of the lists that I gave you, um, yeah. you know, the I Love New York campaign, right? People walking yeah. around with the T-shirts, I yeah. Love New York, you know? Yeah. I have appraised that campaign. Okay. Now, imagine that, like, okay, who the hell owns that campaign? <laughs> There's an actual person or somebody who owns that campaign? I mean, I had asked these questions. I thought it was just something that people write that say, I love New York. Okay. No, no. But that is an actual trademark. Somebody owns it. Yeah, uh, and most show. people might think that it is owned by the city of New York. It is not. Um, it is owned by the state of New wow. York. Um, so my client was the state of New York, and I had to appraise the I Love New York campaign for the state of New York. So that was a weird appraisal. Have you worked with podcasts? I have appraised podcasts as well. In fact, uh, I have a YouTube channel um, in which I educate uh, people on appraisals and valuations. And uh, uh, one of the episodes that I had done a few months ago was on what is a podcast worth? Um, so if you guys get a chance, take a look at it. You might get a kick out of it. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go a little, you know, far off a little bit. So appraising in the metaverse. Huh. What is that? <laughs> That's what I I'm guess, curious. <laughs> well, I guess there's real estate in the metaverse. So is that what you mean? Yeah. Something close to that. Or, you know, 
when is that going to come along with, you know, how is that going to look? All right. So, you know, everything evolves over time, right? Back in the day when the internet was um, in its nascent stage, um, people wouldn't know what domain names were, right? I mean, very few people knew or even ever owned a domain name, right? Um, if you owned a domain name, you wouldn't know what to do with it. Or like, okay, if you own something, generally it's a piece of paper that, okay, I own this domain name. But like, like no, you don't own it. It's, not, it's nothing that you can physically hold or touch. Um, same way with stocks, right? Back in the day, you guys are young, but you know, if you remember, you know, maybe your parents or somebody, you know, if you own stocks back in the day, people will send you stock certificates that you, okay, you own us one, this is a certificate of IBM. But nowadays, if you own IBM, it's just on your electronic, your E-Trade or whatever account you use. Um, same thing with metaverse, right? Metaverse is relatively new concept and people are still getting their head around it. But eventually as it evolves, there will be um, assets within the metaverse that you have to own and you might have to get an appraisal on. Um, and yes, I do NFT appraisals. Um, and that wow. is uh, sometimes that is part of metaverse. And yeah, I do those appraisals. And, and, and let me also say that if I cannot perform an appraisal in metaverse, it probably can't be done. Um, because again, I, I, I have been blessed um, to have worked with all kinds of weird or unique or interesting um, assets. Um, and I'm used to um, thinking outside the box when it comes to looking at unique assets, including assets within the metaverse. Um, so yeah, that'll be, that'll be, that, that is an evolving field and I'm looking forward to working on more, um, working more on it. How do you decide the value of NFT? Um, you know, NFT is so, so. Let's say I have some trading cards, some basketball trading cards. So the value of an NFT is similar to how you would appraise a house, even though I don't appraise houses, but I do understand how it's done. Um, because NFTs don't usually have a cash flow associated with them. They are worth whatever someone is willing to pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. But how do you know what someone is willing to pay for it, right? Yeah. You say that, hey, if there's an NFT called X, which was traded for, I don't know, a million dollars, and then Gypsy owns an NFT, which is very similar to. Uh oh, we're freezing up. Sold for a million dollars. And the NFT that's in question here is. NFT might be close to worth a million dollars. Um, similar to how houses are appraised, right? So if this house was worth $2 million and it's like 2,000 square feet, um, and it's in a similar location, say uh, Manhattan Beach, um, then the house right next to that house is also say 2,000 square feet in Manhattan Beach, same construction, same quality, same condition. That probably is also worth $2 million. Um, 
you know. So where do you see like the future of, I guess, cryptocurrency and um, Bitcoin and other crypto? I mean, I'm, <sighs> see Bitcoin or individual cryptocurrencies, they can come and go. Right. For example, um, emails, emails as a asset or as a tools are here to stay. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Which email, a Hotmail or a Yahoo or a Gmail, that may come and go. Right. Right. But so cryptocurrencies or nfts as a asset class are here to stay but ethereum or is it bitcoin or dogecoin well that's sort of you know that can come and go depending on you know the flavor of the month if you will um you know but you know if, and, and this is similar to how i tell people like you know 20 years ago if somebody told me that hey i just uh, emailed you a pdf and why don't you text me back what you think of it they're like, what, what? You emailed me a PDF and you want me to text you back? What are those three things? What is an email? What is a PDF? And what is a text? Right. But today, if you said that to somebody, it's like, all right, fine. Um, similarly, if you told somebody today that, hey, um, uh, can you uh, send me uh can you send me 0 0.01 uh, Ethereum from your wallet for the NFT 5140? What? People are like, well, with that, but five years from now, it'll be like, okay, I understand exactly what you mean. Right. So it, it is just evolving and people are learning and uh, um, it will become part of our day to day eventually. Yeah. I guess how do you see that expanding in our day-to-day -day life because right now it's it's kind of limited in how it's being used um do you see that expanding into um i guess different industries did you ever think that uh you could find an audiobook online on spotify right back in the day you would have to go buy an audiobook or even just mm -hmm. mp4 yeah. MP3. Did you ever think that uh, you could uh, send someone money just from your iPhone? Um, or did you ever think that uh, you could uh, FaceTime somebody and live listen? I mean, that's the kind of thing they would show in sci-fi movies back in the day. Yeah. But today, like every day, right? So, um it just takes time and it's evolving and it will continue to evolve. Um, we just have to open ourselves up to change. So, you know, the problem when old people become old when they stop learning, not with age, not with graying hair. It's when you stop learning. It's when you stop saying that I don't want to learn about NFTs. I don't want to learn about Bitcoins. I don't want to learn about domain names. That's when you become old and obsolete. Um, is Richard Branson old? No, because he keeps learning. He's up to date with everything. Um, and, 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 that, and that is really the key to 
keep your learning curve up. Be able to evolve as the world continues to evolve. Because, yeah, it's the same picture with music, how I've tried to give an example with once upon a time you had cassette tapes and now everything is about, you know, Spotify and your phone. So, In fact, uh, we have a TV cabinet where we still have a lot of DVDs and CDs. <laughs> and I know how much money I have spent on that stupid shit. And I just can't get myself to throw all that out. It's, it was valuable when you got it then. And it's an antique and, now. <laughs> and my wife keeps telling me, we got to throw all that out. I'm like, yeah, why don't you do it? I can't do it. Because I know I spent money to buy it. <laughs> yeah. But it is worth zero. And I know it's worth zero. And I can get all that for free anywhere. Um, and I can get even better quality. I can get 8D quality or whatever the best quality is, but I can't get myself to throw it out. So, you know, you hit the nail on the head with that music example, right? I mean, I'm a musician myself. So like I said, I've, I've taken a year off from music. I've, I've seen evolution. Yeah. So it comes in a lot of different ways, but you gotta be. If you're taking a, year off from music um you know think about um for creativity um think about meditating mm -hmm. do you meditate yes. yeah we've had some episodes talking about meditation yeah, yeah um i was I, actually going to ask originally where are you from originally i'm originally from New Delhi, India. I grew up there. I've been in this country since I was 17, which was a long time ago. Okay. Um, and I, I, I'm not a meditator. I, I was not a meditator. I've been meditating for only a little bit. And I have seen profound changes in me and my work and my lifestyle um, ever since. And it's helped my creativity, helped my focus. Um, and of course, my work is all numbers and absolutely zero creativity. Yeah. But for somebody like you, um, I can't even imagine how uh, fruitful it can be for your work. Yeah, well, I can say now, you know, of course, dealing with music, you listen a lot. Meditation is kind of the opposite. So mm -hmm. this year I have been able, you know, it's been a peaceful thing because I, I just want to listen to something less and less and just really be in the silent, the quiet. And that's become, that's one of the things, one of the best benefits that I've gotten from taking a break from music is I want, you know, I'm okay with the quiet. I'm okay not listening to something. I'm okay not feeling like, all right, I need to practice or I need to, because a lot of times all of it is creating sound and a lot of people, their biggest thing with you know learning how to meditate they can't sit still for five minutes they can't sit in complete silence for a certain you know amount of time and i've been meditating for a while so even before i was able to meditate but even after when i stopped from the music i realized i do get a lot more you know of a better vibration and peace of mind from silence than having to constantly review my music i'll make a song put it on a mp3 put it on my phone go listen to it in the car i was listening to you know and it's all my same vibration 
So it wasn't like just a bunch of noise, but the silence, there's nothing like complete quiet to let your brain just, you know, do what it's going to do and pull things together and manifest properly and get rid of certain fears and, you know, just really eliminate a lot of the noise that was there that comes with that whole industry of things. And you're kind of on a hamster wheel. So I picked up meditation a long time ago, being consistent at it. Of course, I got to practice on that. It's been a little bit easier um, without a lot of the music. So yeah, I, I agree. It is you know, something that I'm t trying to take a lot more advantage of since I'm out of the music world for a minute. And I may, you know, probably stretch the music break a, a little bit longer. I've stopped playing cello completely for seven years. I did still keep producing and songwriting out of that, but this is the first time I've stopped producing, stopped playing cello and just kind of put the energy somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, what do they say when the, when the silence on the inside overpowers the noise on the outside, that's when you're doing something right. Um, I'm so. not there yet. I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not, even, I'm not even at the uh, beginning of the beginning, but I feel like I'm on the right path. How often do you meditate? Uh, twice a day. Wow. But, but it's only been a few weeks. Um, yeah. And I can't even imagine. You know what pisses me off is I should have just done this a long time ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I, I feel like the education system has failed me um, because they don't teach you shit. I mean, when was the last time you used trigonometry or the physics they learned or the chemistry they taught you? Yeah. Oh, bullshit. They don't teach you real things. I mean, they don't teach you... I mean, they, they teach you how to file taxes for crying out loud. I mean, they don't teach you real things. They don't teach you how to um, talk to people. They don't teach you how to resolve conflict. They don't teach you how to calm yourself down. They don't teach you how to listen to others. They don't teach you how to raise kids. They don't teach you how to, um, you know, train employees or train people. Just they don't teach you shit. Yeah, um, we mentioned on the other podcast when we were discussing meditation that we didn't learn about it until we were like college. We didn't, you know, yeah, it was you know we were, we were, you know, born, I was raised in the church. So prayer was one thing, but prayer is completely different from meditation. So we didn't really get the grasp of you know, what meditation was until adulthood. Prayer. This is the way I have come to learn about prayer. Prayer, the root of prayer is right. But once that root leaves the soil and starts to grow up, that's when something is going off. Um, because you're going away from the inside silence. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you're, instead of, because what, the, what meditation does is makes you realize that you have the power for anything. And I feel what prayer does is teaches you that you're relinquishing your power to something else. Yeah, it feels like wishing to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and with meditation, 
they're telling you that the, all the power is within. Exactly. Um, at least that's that's. And that's I'm sure the, you have people that have their different opinions from you know that yeah. mainly you know live in prayer, and then you have those that are aware of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. But after you learn, like I said, the definition of silence, what silence is, then you can't, you know, they clash. You know, I can't quiet my mind at the same time while I'm asking, you know, something at the same time. And it there's a clash there. So you're definitely yeah. going to get different results. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So what was it like at the age of 17 coming to the U.S.? um exciting and scary you know um were you alone or were you with your family no i was by myself i came for college i went to wisconsin i went to madison wisconsin for engineering um and it, and it was fantastic you know i was young and you know there was in college is the best time in your anybody's life right um and it was amazing um and uh and, and, you know, and it was a great learning experience. I was the first time I was away from home all by myself. Um, and it was a cultural shock and it was just a physical shock. It was just all kinds of things. Uh, but, uh, you know, you just keep your head down and you keep doing what you're doing. What made you switch tracks from engineering to what you do now? Or I found engineering excruciatingly boring back in the day i i didn't appreciate it what type of um, engineering mechanical okay um i found it excruciatingly boring and i didn't appreciate it i i always liked the business side of things um and now i appreciate the engineering as i'm getting older <laughs> of things um you know whenever i go on a tour or you know travel i I, I look at architecture and buildings and, you know, any statue, you know, I'm always analyzing it from an engineering perspective. And of course, you know, uh, I appreciate the art side of it too, right? I mean, one time I was looking at a statue, which was huge. It was like a 10 ton statue cast out of metal, um, alloy metal. And the first thing that came to mind is like, how, how, how would have they created the mold to create the statue. I'm not looking at the statue. I'm thinking about the engineering that went into building that's creating that statue. Um, and, and I don't know if that's me going back to my roots of engineering or that was engineering percolating out of me after 20 years, um, whatever that might be, um, you know. Um, but I enjoy architecture um, and history and engineering. Do they offer like courses in? Um, what you do now, as far as specifically, is this something that like young people can get into? Yeah, of course. You know, you can learn valuation courses and evaluations. Um, you know, there are degrees available, there are certificates available, there are designations available. Um, but what they teach you are the traditional valuations, like okay, if there's a small business or a mid-sized business or a company, how do you value it? But, you know, how do you appraise the Brooklyn Bridge? How do you appraise a startup which has zero revenue but is worth $100 million? 
you know, these things you have to, I mean, no, no book can teach you. These things you have to learn yourself um, or learn with experience. Not sure how we're looking on time. Um, um, we're okay. Uh, we got another five, 10 minutes. It's okay. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to come back and speak with you guys again. You know, yeah. um, I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to look at my YouTube channel. You know, when you guys, if you guys get a chance, take a look at it. It's called What's It Worth? Okay. Uh, Likewise as well. You can check out ours. <laughs> you yeah, probably see yeah. some interesting I, I, things I on our YouTube that. channel. Yeah. yeah. But yeah and, and it's kind of fun. That's the creativity that I'm doing nowadays. And I enjoy it. I enjoy educating and um, it's also channeling my creative side. Um, so it, it's fun. I did get to look at a couple of your videos, by the way. I like the um, just the, the sceneries and different places you go and record your videos. It's pretty cool. It's a little different than others, yeah, right? I so like I'm it. not, you know, I'm not like a general YouTuber where I'm hanging on my phone and I'm going, "Hey guys," <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's valuable information. I mean. Right. But, but I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not talking bullshit. You know, uh, uh, my videos are wh what I'm shooting for is concise, informative and entertaining. Um, so, you know, I, I, I keep my videos tight as, uh, as Mark Twain said that, uh, I did not have time to write a short letter. So I wrote a long one instead. <laughs> so it, it takes more work to, uh, write a short letter or a short video um, than to create a long one. I mean, I could keep rambling on and on and on and on. And, you know, I could create a two hour video, but does that help people? I mean, you know, I still have only five minutes worth of information. So, you know, the, the way I describe it is it's easier to make boiled milk, but it takes work to make condensed milk. Mm. What made you get into content creation? Uh, as a web developer, like, you appreciate you? it. Um, I had spent crazy stupid money, Gypsy, on, con on, on web development and SEO and marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, you name it, and I spent money on it. Um, and SEO people, no offense, but they're all a bunch of crooks. <laughs> they all promise you digital marketing people, you know, they promise you the world and they deliver shit. And they're all crooks. Um, or, or I just happen to run into all of them. Um, I just don't think they should be promising what they promise, but go ahead. Keep it correct. correct. Um, nevertheless, after making many, many, many mistakes, um, did I say many, um, I learned, um, that everything is bullshit and content is king. Um, and video content is king of kings. So then I decided that, you know, instead of investing stupid money in these marketing or digital marketing people, that's what they call themselves, um, I'm going to double down on content creation. So that's what I did. And video content is fantastic because you can slice and dice it in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and it's opened up a lot of doors for me, uh, frankly. I mean, you know, I am an advisor with UC Berkeley. I have my own column with Inc. Magazine. Um, you know, I, uh, I am giving a TEDx. 
Um, so, you know, content creation is amazing. And I get to create, a, you know, a movie, an episode, which is kind of fun, you know, going for shooting yeah. and writing and editing and picking B-rolls, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Likewise, I enjoy that part of the podcast, that's the creating the content and, you know, marketing it and creating, getting creative with how you market it and all of that. So. We have a lot of the tools in house as well. So it kind of helps as well. From Yeah, I mean, I spend 80% of my time in pre production. Um, and post production is easier and production is easier when you spend most of your time pre production because you know exactly what you're going to do or not going to do. Right. Um, which is just like anything, right? Planning is everything. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you giving us your time in, like I said, I've learned a lot in this one episode and I look forward to even having you on again sometime soon. We have a little break coming up and then we're coming back in February, but we'll definitely check out your content and what you want to. Uh, and as for the podcast, you can find us at American Gypsy, Gypsy spelled G-Y-P-C dot com. And you can find links to our merch uh, as well as all the episodes, the videos and a link to our Patreon. We have uh, Patreon memberships at different levels. Uh, you get access to exclusive content, some merch and uh, some crystal necklaces made by us and a lot of different things depending on the membership. Um, and yeah, you can find all of that at americangypsy.com. Bahara, thank you for being with us today. And you can give your information once again as well where they can. Oh, sure. Everything. The best way to find me is uh, look for um, What's It Worth uh, or Bharat Kenudi on YouTube and you'll find my channel. If you have a valuation question, um, you know, feel free to email me and I'm happy to help you. Okay. All right. And for the thank listeners, you. thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, everyone. And consistent self-improvement, everybody. Have a good day. Thank you. <laughs>